With Chen Jianren set to take office on Tuesday as the new premier, the former vice president says he will announce his full cabinet. But already, opposition party members have voiced criticism about some of the cabinet members that have been announced so far. The appointee for executive grand spokesperson on Monday rejected allegations that new ministers and deputy ministers reflected factionalism within the DPP. He said the appointments were made based on talent and professionalism. Premier-to-be Chen Jianren early Monday morning attended Mass at Taipei's Holy Family Catholic Church. I came here today to pray for courage, compassion, wisdom, serenity and humility to allow me to serve 23 million people. Chen is set to take office on Tuesday when he will also announce his new cabinet. Zheng Wenzhan is set to become vice premier and Lin Youchang will be the interior minister. Foreign Minister Joseph Wu, Defense Minister Qiu Guozheng and MAC Minister Qiu Taishan will retain their positions. Senior trade official Li Chun will be deputy foreign minister. Meanwhile, several fresh faces will take on new roles. They include former Taipei City Councilor Liang Wenjie, who will now serve as deputy mainland affairs council minister, fellow councilor Ruan Zhaoxiong, who will serve as Deputy Overseas Council Minister, former Presidential Office Official Li Junyi, who will be Deputy Labor Minister, and Zhou Jiangjie, who will be Deputy Hakka Affairs Council Minister. Opposition lawmakers have alleged that the appointments reflected factionalism within the DPP. I imagine that the new cabinet will include talented people of all age groups. Cabinet members are chosen based on their talent and professionalism. It has nothing to do with factions. The appointee for Executive UN spokesperson said the new premier's appointment was a temporary transfer of power. No matter who the president is, there is always this type of transfer in order to meet the nation's development needs, with people being transferred from education or research institutions. After Chen Jinren takes office, his first task will be the issuance of 6,000 NT tax rebates to the public. On Tuesday, the legislature will hold a session, and a cabinet representative will meet with each of the party caucuses. There is already a good grasp on the development of a system for issuing money, so there's a chance it can be issued before April is planned. Chen Jinren is under pressure from the DPP's poor showing in the local elections, but there's hope a new cabinet will change the atmosphere for the administration. On Monday, Premier Su Zhenchang led his cabinet members to resign en masse ahead of a government reshuffle. During his last session at the Executive Yuan, Su said he was stepping down to take responsibility for the DPP's poor showing in the local elections last year. The new cabinet, led by former Vice President Chen Jianren, will be sworn in on Tuesday. Many of the cabinet members will remain in the same positions. Okay. On the first day back from the break, Su Jianchang led his last session at the Executive Yuan, posing for a group photo with his cabinet. Su, who tendered his resignation before the Lunar New Year, is the longest-serving premier under a democratically elected government in Taiwan. He wrapped up his last four years in office with a thank you to his team. 
Sue has not given much comment on what his next steps will be. The new cabinet will be sworn into office on Tuesday, led by former Vice President Chen Jianren. Many of the officials will remain in the same positions, including Council of Agriculture Minister Chen Ji-chung, Health and Welfare Minister Xue Rui-yuan, and Digital Affairs Minister Audrey Tang. We just work hard on getting things done. That's how it is. Premier Su gave us teapots and tea, both of which have to withstand the heat. During his last session, Su said his departure was an act of taking responsibility while asking his cabinet members to keep up with their work. As a parting gift, he gave each a teapot and tea, symbolizing the high heat and pressure of working in the executive yuan. National Defense Minister Chiu Guozheng said he would continue working toward the goal set by Su. We will continue to try to meet the targets we established before during this coming year. Regardless of the management methods, go step by step, focusing every month, every quarter, and every half year. The policies we'll be implementing are the ones we've explained in the regular briefings. That's what we're working on. The new cabinet will be sworn in at a ceremony on Tuesday, bringing a breath of fresh air into the executive yuan. The Ministry of National Defense on Monday reiterated that Taiwan was ready to respond to Chinese attack at all times. The statement comes after two U.S. officials weighed in on the U.S. tensions with China in recent days. One was Air Force Commander Mike Minihan, who in a memo said that his gut feeling was that conflict between the U.S. and China could start as early as 2025. The other was Congressman Michael McCall, who said China could attack Taiwan if it fails to influence its presidential election in 2024. Let's hear what he said. The first one is to uh, influence the election that will take place a year from today. If they don't win in that one, they are going to look at a military invasion, in my judgment. And it could happen, I think, as long as Biden is in office. Our armed forces are preparing for war at all times. It was put very well before. We can go 100 years without a war, but we cannot go one day without preparing for war. Reports have recently emerged that vocal China critic Kevin McCarthy could be visiting Taiwan in the future. Responding to questions on the matter, the Ministry of National Defense said all possible scenarios would be considered regarding China's reaction to the visit. A new calendar is showing off a satellite view of Taiwan's diplomatic allies. The Center for Space and Remote Sensing Research at National Central University has produced a satellite calendar annually for 28 years. The detailed images can show objects on the ground as small as 50 centimeters long. Now, for the first time, the calendar is themed on Taiwan's allies, showing off their beautiful scenery as well as joint projects with Taiwan. A gigantic satellite dish rotates into position. It's picking up signals from satellites in orbit for NCU Center for Space and Remote Sensing Research. We use this kind of direct reception of satellite messages to get necessary data for surveillance, environmental monitoring, national land use surveys, and so on. With a diameter of 13 meters and rotation of 180 degrees, the satellite dish stands on the roof of the center and has been in use for 30 years. Inside, a satellite tracking map on the wall allows engineers to constantly monitor where their satellites are. 
They're busy checking and editing satellite images and using this equipment to turn them from 2D into 3D. They wear 3D glasses, which make tall trees and buildings leap out from the ground. With a swipe of the cursor, the height is calculated. The satellite is flying through the air. It takes two photos of the same object at two different angles. So that means we have two photos of the same location from different angles. So it's like our two human eyes, and we can see the 3D height of the object. Of course, it's used to build up data about Taiwan, but it works equally well to take images of outlying islands or other countries. NCU has published an annual calendar with colorful satellite photos for more than 20 years. This satellite image has a resolution of 50 centimeters. That means it can see everything on the ground that is 50 by 50 centimeters. What you're looking at now is the area around Shan Monastery in Kaohsiung. So you can see the whole, not just the buildings, but also nearby here, the lychee garden, for example. The latest calendar is themed on Taiwan's diplomatic allies. Produced in partnership with the ICDF, it's named a bird's eye view of alliance. The Center for Space and Remote Sensing Research has been producing its calendar for 28 years. With this calendar, we're showcasing the landforms of our allies, the beauty of the landscapes. Of course, in the process, we are also exhibiting what we've achieved through our collaboration with them. Taiwan's satellite technology is being used to record and document the beauty of its allies and to strengthen ties with friendly nations. Taiwan's natural beauty is renowned worldwide. Its coastlines and forests are spectacular. But Taiwan also has many gentler attractions. Not the least are its fabulous blossom trees. Right now, plum trees are coming into full bloom at scenic spots like Jiaoban Mountain Park. For fans of the cherry blossoms, mid-February is the perfect time to visit Siakaro Cherry Valley. Let's take a moment to enjoy some of Taiwan's prettiest floral vistas. Pink buds dot branches across this mountainside. Surrounded by pink, visitors feel like they walked into a painting. The Shinju County village of Semangus is synonymous with cherry blossom. But there's a new option. Now visitors can also head to Shiakaro Cherry Valley. This footage was taken last year, the first time the valley opened its cherry blossom season to the public. The Cherry Valley is located in the retirement section of Shiakaro Historic Trail. At the mountain trailhead and in the entire area, we planted more than 100 Fuji cherry trees. This is the second year it's open to the public. Gazing down from a drone, you see the blossoms envelop half of the mountainside. Almost like a pink carpet, a unique sight. The Fuji cherries are expected to bloom from February 11th to 28th. If you plan to visit at a weekend or on 228 Peace Memorial Holiday, don't forget to reserve your hiking permit or you won't get in. There will be two ways to get up the mountain this year. One is to drive your own car up. The other is to take a free shuttle bus, which stops at Hubun Tunan Village. But that's still a month away. If you're longing for flowers now, try out the best plum blossom spot in northern Taiwan, Jialban Mountain Park in Taoyuan. White petals are strewn across the landscape as far as the eye can see. The gentle scent of plum blossoms floats on the air. Visitors snap away as thousands of plum flowers open across this late winter wonderland. Others stop for a tea party under the trees. It's a perfect place to enjoy the fresh air of early spring and look ahead to a new year. Taiwan's Taiwan with France seems to be warming. Last Friday, French President Emmanuel Macron presided over a banquet to celebrate the Lunar New Year in Paris, inviting representatives of countries that observe the festival. 
Among them was the head of Taiwan's representative office, who was unable to attend the event. Instead, the head of the Association Formosa in France and four other Taiwanese nationals took part in the festivities. The head of the association, who's been living in France for 20 years, says it's the first time Taiwanese nationals were formally invited to such an event. Let's hear from her. It's a start. This invitation from the French president is kind of an acknowledgement of the importance of Taiwan. He wanted Taiwan to take part in the event in some way. It's a fantastic show of citizen diplomacy and an improvement of Taiwan-France relations. The number of times we appear on French media is also increasing at a really fast pace. I recently spoke with a French foreign affairs official, and he said that Taiwan had truly become a hot topic. He said he was asked about Taiwan everywhere he went. The five invitees had the opportunity to speak with Macron and take pictures together. One of the guests, Taiwanese lawyer Nicola Chan, says that during his chat with the president, Macron said he hoped Taiwanese firms in the electric vehicle and semiconductor industries could set up shop in France. China has lifted barriers preventing trade of Jinmen's Gaoliang liquor made from sorghum. The announcement of the lifted ban was made after KMT members met with the head of China's Taiwan Affairs Office on Saturday. The DPP has said that the trade barriers imposed by China were illegal to begin with, adding that the lifting of the ban was orchestrated to show the KMT in a favorable light. KMT legislator for Jinmen Chen Yujen posted to Facebook, sharing a photo of her together with China's Taiwan Affairs Office head Song Tao on Saturday. Shortly after the two met, the office announced that China had lifted a ban on the import of sorghum liquor from Jinmen. Chen was quick to claim credit for the ban being lifted. This issue involved me visiting the Taiwan Affairs Office on December 12th, January 7th and January 28th. I visited their offices in Xiamen and Fujian province, their headquarters, and China's customs administration. Through our hard work and coordination, we were able to help some companies resubmit their shipping documents and come to an agreement with Chinese authorities on lifting the ban. Chen said that during her meeting with Song, she was told that the problems preventing the export of sorghum liquor to China were completely resolved, and that Chinese Customs is letting the products through. In her meeting with Song, Chen Yujian was joined by Jinmen County Commissioner Chen Fuhai. A day earlier, former KMT Chairman Hong Xiuzhu also met with Song. Chinese state media highlighted the meetings through a special report in a bid to highlight the KMT's involvement in the trade issue. DPP lawmakers criticized the move, saying China was using illegal trade barriers to cause a rift in Taiwanese society. China is using the false pretense of showing grace to divide the Taiwanese public. The benefits of this will be short-term. We implore our friends in the pan-blue camp not to fall into this trap. The DPP wasn't able to solve the problem and left it to the opposition party. Now, the DPP is upset with the opposition party. This is not the way a responsible government talks. China's lifting of the ban on sorghum liquor is having political side effects. China is using trade to coerce Taiwan's government. The Chinese Communist Party has already started interfering with the 2024 presidential elections. The DPP says Beijing is already interfering with local politics in Taiwan, but it remains to be seen whether the public can see through its tactics. 
Taiwan shares soared on the first trading day of the year of the rabbit to hit new highs. The Taiwan surged by 560 points at 15,493. That's the third biggest hike ever recorded. Institutional investors bought a net 82.7 billion NT, with foreign investors accounting for more than 70 billion. Let's hear from two financial institutions. International markets soared during the break while the Taiwan Stock Exchange was closed, and it's looking like the Fed will only raise interest rates by 25 basis points. So the market's expectations for interest rate hikes have eased somewhat. In addition, China's lifting of rules to allow for consumption has been conducive to good performance for Taiwan shares. With this one-off increase, there may be some bounce back in February, but we think the market shouldn't fall below 15,000 points. Over in the foreign exchange market, the new Taiwan dollar closed up 0.0231 against the greenback to close at 30.147 NT against the U.S. unit. Temples in honor of the Jade Emperor were packed wall to wall on Monday as crowds of worshippers celebrated the deity's birthday. In Tainan, the Tian Tan Tian Gong Temple was so busy that the furnace could not keep up, resulting in bags of unburnt paper money piling up on the streets. Over in Pingdong City's Jade Emperor Temple, about 20,000 servings of longevity noodles were handed out to visitors, some of whom waited for more than two hours. On the ninth day of the Year of the Rabbit, Tian Tan Tian Gong Temple in Tainan was packed with worshippers praying to the Jade Emperor. <laughs> the crowds extended from the temple out onto the streets, making for a bustling scene. Paper money offerings can't be burned fast enough, leaving bags and bags of them piling against the wall. Temple workers try their best to keep everything in order. After COVID restrictions were lifted, there was an increase of 20 to 30 percent in the number of people coming to pray. We've had to double or triple the number of workers. We're about 20 now. Tainan Mayor Huang Weijie was down to work at the temple, giving out bowls of noodles. A total of 4,000 servings of noodles and tangyuan were handed out, twice the amount of previous years. We estimate that there will be between 40,000 and 50,000 people visiting between today and tomorrow morning. Over in Pingdong City's Jade Emperor Temple, things were just as busy. On Monday morning, the temple handed out 20,000 servings of longevity noodles. Queues stretched as far as the eye could see. I started lining up at 7:15 a.m. and waited for about two hours. I got mine at 9 a.m. This dish symbolizes peace. We ready 20,000 bowls of longevity noodles today. They have a lot of ingredients. Although they are vegetarian, they're packed with flavor. The ninth day of the lunar year is celebrated as the birthday of the Jade Emperor, one of the highest-ranking gods. Worshippers flock to his temples to ask for peace, health, and the end of COVID, as well as getting a delicious helping of noodles. Lawmakers are showing off their fitness routines. It started with a selfie from KMT lawmaker Hong Mongkai. The fitness fanatic likes to practice push-ups and weight training in the privacy of his own home. But after his muscles were revealed on Facebook, some said they'd pay for a calendar. Then Hong got into a push-up competition with his DPP colleague Zhong Jiabing. The two have faced off in clashes as lawmakers, but who would win in a battle of arm strength? 
It's KMT lawmaker Li Guimin's first ever aerial yoga class. She's not quite sure where to apply her weight and appeals for help from the teacher. Nearby KMT lawmaker Hong Mongkai is doing better. He's up in the cloth immediately, not through skills so much as through muscles honed over many years. On his 40th birthday, Hong posted a photo of himself on Facebook showing off his chest muscles and 8-pack. It had 10,000 likes within minutes, and many of his colleagues in the legislative yuan were clamoring for him to release a calendar. I always work out at home, 120 push-ups and 240 crunches. Whenever he has time, he exercises at home and maintains his physique. This time, he didn't reach his own goal of 80 push-ups in one minute, but he managed 67, which seems pretty good. Once in a scuffle in the legislature, Hong pinned DPP lawmaker Zhong Jiabing to the wall, as you see in this photo. We asked Zhong to give the push-up challenge a try. And his bravado is justified. Zhang did 71 push-ups in just one minute, breaking Hong's record. I've always kept the habit of swimming on and off. My muscles here are quite developed because I swim freestyle. With a lifelong habit of swimming, Zhang's arms are clearly very strong. Lawmakers use exercise to keep healthy and fit for whatever life throws at them. And when scuffles break out among colleagues, well, that's an added bonus.